Hello, and thank you for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast. This is Lauren, and I manage the Adulting is Easy blog and podcast, which can be found at realadultingiseasy.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please take a second, hit the follow button, rate, and review if you can safely do so. I'm joined today by Chris from Heavy Metal Money. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. So normally I interview someone, but today I'm switching roles and I'm being interviewed by you. So we're going to talk about uh, eventually my most recent real estate deal, but I think we'll probably talk about a little of this and a little of that, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to get to your most recent uh, investment, but you know, I want to I want to know, like, let's for for those people that maybe knew here or that don't know, like, let's go ahead and just do a rundown of the current properties we have today, or how that equates to units, right? How many units you have today, leading up to your most recent investment, which uh, I'm really excited about this this new six unit. Sure. So I think I will just go ahead and start from the very beginning because it's not that many properties. Okay. And, and what year was this? What year did you start? 2012. I was 22, graduated from college, you know, depths of the Great Recession, got a job as a manager at Toys R Us and bought a house. And, and before, uh, before we go too much further, <laughs> first, I want to say you and I have already connected uh, earlier, um, because I also worked at Toys R Us for like five years. So that's, it's so uncanny, but anyway. it, it was, oh God, it sucked. It really sucked. <laughs> I don't remember when they went out of business, but this was only like a couple years before that. It was horrible. But anyways, so, but I was like, I got to do what I got to do. I got to have a job. I want to move out. Like there was some stuff going on at home. I just didn't want to be home. And so I was like, okay, I got to get out of here. And I was like, I'm going to rent. My mom's like, you might as well just buy. And I was like, who's going to, who's going to loan me money? But they did. So I bought this house in 2012. And then in 2017, I bought the like, quote unquote, forever home, right? I wanted to have a two car garage. So my then boyfriend could park in the garage. He didn't have to be outside while my car was in the garage, the other house, bigger closets, his clothes were in like the second bedroom and I had the master bedroom to myself. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So you had, you, you made him keep all his clothes in the separate room? These like 1950s houses, okay. like at least here, they're like, it's one, like the closet is so small. So yeah, his clo- <laughs> he had to like get dressed in the other room and like he, like his car was outside and, you know, I just, we wanted like two sinks in the master bathroom, like just little things like that, that when you buy your first house at 22, you're not really thinking about. You and, don't, yeah. You don't think about those things. <laughs> totally get it. No. And so, and also the, the house, if we moved, it could be right in between our work. So I bought a primary for the two of us and I rented the first one out. And I basically I, I mentioned those two houses because those I tap that equity to get into the properties I am in now. So that was the first house, 2012. It was a rental. And then 2017 had a new primary, was saving again for another real estate deal. Okay. So if you think about it, it's kind of like I saved for three properties right? That leads me to the three properties I have now. I sold that first house, that one that I bought in 2012. I sold that because I wanted to, there was like, it was worth $225,000 and the rent was 1500. And I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a duplex where the rent is 900 aside for 170,000. So that's what I did. I just felt like that was a better move. I wanted to finance it Nobody would accept financing offers. So I ended up paying cash. Oh, wow. Okay. So I had about $100,000 equity that was getting $1,500 in rent a month. Now I had $170, but I was getting $1,800 a month in rent. But I, in my mind, it was a better move because I also went from one unit to two units. So I wouldn't, I felt like the vacancy wouldn't hurt that much. And I thought, okay, I won't have a mortgage, you know, so that was helpful. I was like, I'm going to get a property manager. I didn't have a property manager. The other one just free things up. So we bought that in 2019, sold and then bought in 2020. Before we get there, before we get there, no, I was just really quick. So you mentioned, uh, you mentioned property manager. So talk to me a little bit about how much, how much was managed by you and when you started, when you actually did shift to having a property manager, talk to me a little bit about that. Well, the first house that I rented out, it was just like this old retired couple that had moved in. And so they were 
like so low maintenance it was unbelievable they were great then he died oh no i know so he died and i was gonna re-rent it and like it sat vacant for a while like it wasn't renting it was like november which was a really unfortunate time and that's when i decided to sell that one the next one i got a property manager because it was on one of the worst blocks in the town. Like there was a murder while we were under contract. Oh there my was God. A murder. There was a murder on the street, like the same year we owned it. Like we only owned it two years and there were two murders on the street. So like, I'm not, not exaggerating, literally wish it wasn't true. So that's why I had a property manager. I didn't want to be going down there trying to collect rents or anything like that. So that's why. And he, he, for the first six months, like I didn't, I like knew the tenants names, but not really. They were like in a file you know, and he handled everything and everything was fine. Um, you know, COVID hit at that point and shit kind of hit the fan. And I ended up having to do some things myself, you know, like hire somebody to move, move the squatter out, you know, get a storage unit, tons of different stuff. And when we moved a new person in and she stopped paying, she, I needed, she needed my information to get rental assistance. So that kind of opened up the floodgates of communication there. But the idea in a, in a non-COVID world, I think it would have worked really well. Yeah, I think uh, if if you can, you know, there's there's different schools of thought. Um, some I have some investor friends that are very much build a relationship with their tenants, regardless if they have a management company involved or not. They really want to have that relationship. They the tenants know who the landlord is. They know who the owner is. They you know they build this relationship because they may treat the property a little better. And, you know, they may give you more notice or something. However, with that being said, you know, there is something nice about the fact that my, like right now, my management company, my buy and hold rentals, I, I can look up who the tenants are, right? In CRM, but I don't interface with the tenants at all. You know, it's all, all turnover, all tenant communication. It all goes through my management company and Sometimes I kind of like it that way. <laughs> so you can yeah, see both sides of it. I do. I also think it depends a little bit on the class of the neighborhood. Sure. Um, in a higher class neighborhood, I could see that being the case. Okay. So that was that. So mm-hmm. that was 2019. 2020, dream home, not looking so dreamy anymore. My husband had, we were married. Yeah, we were married by then. My husband had gotten a job where he worked completely remotely. And I knew I was going to be taking a job where I work completely remotely. So living in this perfect spot that was 20 minutes from downtown Tampa and 20 minutes from downtown St. Pete, where he worked and where I worked or whatever, that lost its appeal. This forever home. Yeah, it would if if you're both commuting to an office, but now you guys are working kind of right on top of each other. <laughs> Literally on top of each other. Like we had a three bedroom house. One was the office, one was the spare room and one was our room. And so I just found myself like, he'd like, he'd be like, I have a call. And I'd be like, I have a call. And then, so I'd end up at the dining room table. And worse than that, we were in such like a, an area where it was, it was good. Cause it was like 15 to 20 minutes to everything, but there was nothing right there. So we're also in this area. And when five o'clock hits, we are literally leaving because we're tired of being in the house, but there's nowhere to go without getting in rush hour traffic. So it felt like it was defeating the purpose of working from home a bit. And then we're, so we're looking into it and I'm like, okay, well, we, what we can do, what will help this a little bit, we'll get rid of the spare bedroom and we'll have two offices. And I was like, well, that kind of sucks if my sister comes to stay or if his dad came to stay or something like that. So I kind of started thinking to myself, what, what else other than a second office and other than being close to things what I want. And I decided I really wanted to be able to bike from the house on a bike trail, not just around the neighborhood. And I had gotten in a, a car accident in 2016. So I couldn't really lift a bike to load it onto a car. And so if I wasn't going biking with my husband, I had to do it in the neighborhood only. And so I started thinking, okay, second, you know, second office space would be good, but I still want to have a place for guests to stay. I would like to be close to restaurants. Walking distance would be amazing so that, you know, at the end of the day that we can go somewhere, we don't have to get in a car and get in rush hour traffic and totally lose some of the benefit of working from home and near a bike trail. And then I also thought, you know what, I've, I have this money that I've been saving to buy another investment property, right? Because I had one. 
and I thought, why don't I, why don't we buy a place that has some rental ability on it? Right. Like let's house hack. And I had house hacked before because I, in a way, because I had a roommate in my first house, but this was the first time I was really thinking, all right, let me go get like a house with an above garage apartment. Right. That was what my goal was. And so I was kicking this idea around in my head and I'm pretty blunt and I didn't really think it through. And so I brought it up to my husband over breakfast in like January, 2020. And I was like, Hey, I want to move. And he's like, no, this is our dream house. We just got here. And I was like, much like what I just said to you, Chris, I laid out to him why what made super sense three years before in 2017 didn't make sense anymore. And that our reality had changed and our values had changed. And we had recently been looking at when can we retire? You know, just just looking at numbers. And even though we both have very well paying jobs, you know, when your mortgage payment is $25,000 a year, mortgage taxes, insurance, flood insurance, I was like, even if we pay this house off at best, that first house pays the taxes on this one. Like we're just, we were so far away. We were still like talking about 55 retiring. And I felt like I didn't want that house. Wasn't dreamy enough for me to want to work till 55. Sure. Was it difficult to get your husband on board or did, after you kind of talked it over with him, were you guys shortly in agreement or I'm really curious how that dynamic took place. It took about 15 minutes for him to come around. <laughs> That's not too bad. It's not like he had to sleep on it or anything. No, because no, I started running the numbers with him because, I mean, he's an engineer. He's logical. Number, he gets numbers. And so I started talking about it. And he it's not like he was agreeing to move, but he was agreeing to look. So we looked at our county and Pinellas County has this beautiful 45 mile bike trail it goes all the way from like top to bottom of the county. And there's some really cute towns along there. So we started going, we started biking in those areas. We would take the car, you know, he would load them up. We would go, we would bike, you know, 10 miles one way and, and back. And so we biked the whole trail at different times. And so we were doing that to get to know the areas. We were also going to dinner in all these different spots. And we finally found this a really cute, like touristy town that we both basically immediately fell in love with. We were like, this is it, you know? And so it was like February 13th-ish, maybe the 12th, 2020. And we set up showings. That was, it was like a Thursday. We set up showings for Saturday and Sunday, one each day. They weren't available on the same day. So he then booked like this like motel. (laughs) So we could spend the whole weekend, right? We're going to look at places, but we're also going to spend a whole weekend there making sure we actually like this town. So this is approximately how far away from your current residence then? 30 minutes. Okay. The same county, but like 30 minutes north, which was further from my parents. My parents thought I was nuts. They at first thought like I was moving away. I'm like, okay, it's. I know it's like <laughs> North County, South County, but it's not that far, guys. Like it'll be okay. And they're all they're all about it now. They've come around a bit too, but you know, when you start doing this stuff, people think you're nuts. But so, so we had we had showings set up at these two places. One was like a house house in a neighborhood with an above garage apartment and like a pool house. This other one was a commercial bed and breakfast with two cottages and a mobile home on it. Ooh. And it was kind of funny that there were similarities here where it was one very old house. One was 1910, one was 1901 with like, you know, accessory dwelling units. And there were two of them. I wasn't counting the mobile home. It was disgusting. So, (laughs) you know, so we had these set up. And so for Valentine's Day, you know, February 14th was a Friday night. We like went out on the town, had a fantastic time, stayed in the motel. I woke up multiple times throughout the night because it was so quiet. (laughs) My brain was like, I think it was like, I think maybe you're dying or suffocating because there's no noise. Like I kept waking up because of being scared. It was quiet. Oh, which was cool because we lived pretty close to like the St. Pete airport. So I think I must have gotten used to the planes or something. So that was kind of funny. And then Saturday, we looked at the one place. Sunday, we looked at the other. Long story short, we went under contract on the ha- like the house house, which mm-hmm. was in this like beautiful, it's like the beautiful area, the area you want to be in. And it was $540,000. Well, okay. And the house we were selling, we were like going to sell for like 360, 350, 360. You know, we went under contract, we did the inspection, it needed about like a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of work. 
And I finally looked at my husband. He really wanted that one. I wanted the bed and breakfast, but he really wanted that one. Uh-oh, and you, since you, it was to flip a coin, or did you well, arm wrestle him for it? Well, since it was my crazy idea, I was like, well, I guess you can pick the place. And <laughs> so we went under contract on that one. But I kind of eventually looked at him and I said, even once we do the $150,000 of work to this place, I don't think we add $150,000 of value. Sure. I just, I don't think we do because the kitchen had been redone, but like poorly. So yeah. I felt like we weren't going to truly get the value out of that. And then like the, there was a pool, it needed redone. There was some stuff that needed done even in the garage and the garage apartment needed a lot of work. So I just felt like, you know, we weren't going to get that value out of it and it needed flood insurance, which was super expensive. And so I talked him out of that one, but he would not he would not consider the bed and breakfast. Like it was in pretty rough shape. Like the floors had been sealed with like the wrong thing and they were peeling and the floor was like sloped and there was basically no kitchen. It was basically a sink and like three uppers and that's it. That was all in this kitchen. Wow. So a pretty significant amount of rehab. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the yard was terrible where the... (laughs) So you go in the backyard and there's two cottages and one of the cottages has its own fence and there's uh, like a plastic canopy, almost like you would see at like a wedding, but like not that nice and the mobile home and it's all crammed in there and it was just a yard of tan painted concrete. And when we had looked at it, I told him, this could be amazing. This backyard could be so nice. And he was like, absolutely not. So we got out of contract on the one place and it was like, I don't know, a couple of weeks later or something, maybe a week later. And we were sitting out back of our dream home. I think I was probably having a glass of wine. He's like, what are you thinking about? I was like, I'm thinking about the numbers on that bed and breakfast. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm really thinking about it. I was like, listen, I was like, get this. We could get rid of the mobile home and put a camper in there. We have this, we have the electric, we have the sewer. We could rent that out. And that's what did it. He was like down to really consider it from then on. Once I, you know, showed him the numbers and showed him that we could truly, truly live for free by Airbnb or, you know, short term renting the two cottages and the camper. And then he really, we really started considering it from that point. But it, it was kind of a journey to even get there. Interesting. What was the shape of the, the two cottages? I mean, did that require any significant rehab or what were those like? One of them did, but we didn't know at the time. That was an unexpected $12,000 rehab that we did in 2021. I guess I'm spoiling it. We do buy this place. Um, But the other one, it needed, all the fixtures needed to be taken out and redone and then the floors. So my my husband and my uncle did the floors and the fixtures. Like we didn't actually need much from that. We lived in those, right? Like we stored all of our stuff in one of them and then lived in the other while the while we renovated the yard and the house. Interesting. Okay. Okay. You know, it does, it does take, you know, it's interesting. You have some people, you know, like you were saying, your husband, you know, would see what this yard could be. And it's interesting to me as I look at properties myself and, you know, you walk through it and it, some people just have this vision and they can see the potential you know, of what basically after rehab would, would look like or what it could be. I don't always have that vision. <laughs> like, unless I, I need someone to like walk through with me and tell me, oh, we could do this, you know, mm-hmm. but that's awesome though. So, yeah, I so- was able to see it and, and he wasn't, but you know, it's even to this day though, there are things where I, where I don't see it or I don't think of it that he does. So mm-hmm. overall mm-hmm. we make a good team and he definitely, as you can tell, has an open enough mind to to listen yeah. to me and to be open to what I want. It sounds like it's a great yin and yang, right? So what, so I guess being that now you've, you've kind of spoiled it, but I kind of, <laughs> I pulled that string. <laughs> so let's actually talk about, you know, so we, you got into that place, you were doing that. Now, how long did it take to do that renovation? And, you know, you mentioned you did like the flooring. How long did that renovation take? Yeah. So even before the renovation, so this was like March. Mid March 2020, right? We all know what happened then. I was going to say, yeah, so right <laughs> as the pandemic hit, how did that stall things or did it? Man. We went under contract the day before Florida shut down. And I remember talking to my dad 
And I was like, what should we do? He's like, well, this could really tank things. Like you could, cause I had, we had, we weren't going to sell the quote unquote dream home. Right. Cause like I said, I had saved up to buy the first house, saved up to buy the second house. I had enough to buy a place saved up again. So my plan was to use that money to buy this place and then sell the other one and use that money for the rehab. So my dad's like, you could buy this place and both your places could tank 20 to 25%. You need to be prepared for that. And I was like, I am not prepared for that. I need that money out of the house to do this right. rehab. And so we back, we, you know, between that and just general unease, uh, we did, we backed out and it worked in our favor in a sense that it was a commercial bed and breakfast and Airbnbs commercial. Like you weren't allowed, people weren't allowed to stay anywhere. You weren't allowed to travel. Uh, okay. So she, I think, started really feeling the pinch of having no revenue coincidentally. And so we were under contract originally for 330 and we went back on our contract with her like a week after shutdown happened for 310 and went through inspections found some stuff got a got a did an extension got a structural inspection and with all the things that it needed she came down to 285 with $5000 in closing cost assistance wow so for all intents and purposes we got it for 280 right we started at 330 got it for 280 Right. And it had originally been listed for 375 and had been on the market like six months, which is wild. That would never happen now. Right. But so there was all that. Also, so we were in a contract 285 is what it has to appraise for. The first appraisal came back at 245. So we had to go through like this contesting the appraisal. We had the roof lined up. We had the yard guys lined up and like we had to put, we had to tell them, no, you can't come that week because we're not going to be closed because we have to fight this appraisal because 285 to 245 is a lot. We're not talking about an easy amount of cash to come up with. And I did the math. I knew I needed every penny that I had. Mm-hmm. Right. So we contested the appraisal and we came back at 300. So that was a pretty big swing. So we went from being like negative 40,000 equity to positive 15,000, which was just wild. And uh, we'll get to it later. But when we did a cash out refi, it was the same appraiser, which was kind of weird. But he's like, oh, you guys paid it. I'm like, oh, my God. No, we did more than that. <laughs> um, so we finally did close. We closed in June. So that's why I, I wanted to talk about kind of the craziness of being under contract was you're like, how do you get from you're in this town on Valentine's Day to you know, you're not done with this renovation until December and that we didn't actually start until July because of all of that. So yeah, we closed in June. The roof was uninsurable because it was leaking. And I don't know what you know about Florida. Hurricane season is like peak and like, and really it peaks in like August, September, but like it starts June 1st. So we're, we are unprotected in hurricane season. Right. So we got that, we got the roof done first. We did a metal roof and that was $22,000. And cuz it's a super peaked roof mm-hmm. and so it was expensive but we got that done um and then we did the structure. And they actually like jacked up the house a bit, put in two new beams and put in like new footers all the way around and that was 26,000. That I would say that that's something that I we don't at least here in the in the Midwest almost everything has basements. <laughs> right. Right. So that that's a little bit different. But I'm I'm actually curious. So I mean you could technically, I mean that metal roof, I mean that that's like lifetime, right? I mean that's that's more than a 20 or 30 year Yeah, like, the warranty, warranty is like 25, but they is, are huh? supposed to last last like 40 or something. Yeah, they say I the roof it's... that was on here was original and it's 1901. Hmm. but it was like rusted and leaking like it wasn't oh my gosh so for the structure we actually the 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 company would finance the structure at zero percent so to hold on to 26 grand we financed that and like i had my husband pay that bill i was like okay you pay that like i'll pay for mostly everything else and so he made like 3500 payments for like an entire year oh my gosh (laughs) so that was rough. But yeah, I was like, because I was doing the math. And I'm thinking if we do all this, we're going to get really close to not to running out of cash. So we did the structure. We did the yard. Like I said, the aforementioned painted tan concrete had to go. And we created this like beautiful lush yard. It's so interesting that, you know, we started just my husband is an engineer. So he created CAD drawings of the yard with like where where our shed would go and where the cottages were and where the house was. And so we had, we printed out a bunch of these and we just started sketching on them. 
where, you know, where would walkways go and things like that. And for a guy that had no vision on that to start with, I mean, him and my mom, my mom really likes plants and him and my mom like went hard on this. Like we were driving to my brother's wedding in the summer of 2020 which was like seven hours. And they spent five hours in the backseat, literally just designing this yard. <laughs> and they, they ended up, you know, that we got some, we got some input from some landscapers and stuff too. So what we ended up with was, uh, you know, kind of like where I thought the jacuzzi should be and where the landscaper thought the camper should go and where my mom thought things would be and, you know, where my husband wanted things to go. And it really ended up really beautiful. It's a very lush yard. Please, uh, we, please tell me have some some photos of this on adulting is easy right <laughs> i have them around they're around for okay. sure we, we got it we got i gotta see this this is this sounds amazing <laughs> it, it's 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 really beautiful and, and people remark on it all the time which which is really nice we redid the fence too and so the yard with like the demo and the fence and the plants and everything the irrigation was thirty five thousand dollars. it was a lot and we painted everything inside and out. We got a great deal on the painting. Like they paint, the paint was like 10 grand for, I mean, inside and out, you know, our house is a three bedroom, two and a half bath. And like the third bedroom is huge because it's Eric's, it's my husband's office and a guest room. Like it's that big because we weren't going to have that problem again. And in, inside and out, everything like the retaining wall, so much of it, the porch, just everything was painted. And so we painted everything at that out inside and out. That was ten thousand. I had budgeted twenty, so I saved ten thousand there. The kitchen, obviously, that's the most beautiful part. The kitchen and the yard are like the most amazing before and afters you'll probably ever see. And the kitchen was thirty thousand. And then we had we did have like a surprise leak in the master bathroom, so we had to spend like four thousand on that to like fix the floors and things like that. Oh so no! Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty much. I think that's pretty much it. But I, I had budgeted 160 and it came in at 161. But that is incredible. But, <laughs> I mean. but, but I had budgeted for the ACs and we didn't do the ACs. So we were actually really like $11,000 over. That's, uh, but still, that's really close. I mean, I, I find it, I mean, that's, I mean, that can be, at least for me, it's, I mean, I get like super anxious and it's kind of overwhelming trying to determine what rehab costs would be. And especially on this particular project, there was a lot that had to be done and I would have been, yeah, I would have been drowning, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my husband was really overwhelmed with it, but I just had my spreadsheet and like I had watched HGTV, so I like made some assumptions on costs from what I saw there. Obviously, we got a lot of quotes, especially the big stuff, right? Like the kitchen, the roof, the structure, the fence, that stuff we knew. There were some additional things that we did, you know, like a, replacing a door here or there. You know, there were some, th some decisions that were made on the fly. But yeah, like it actually, for people that had, I mean, I at my first house, I had done both bathrooms over five years. But for people that had never done a renovation to take on a project of a 1901 home like that was pretty amazing that that it worked out like it did. I don't know. My husband and I talk about this all the time. Like, what, what made us think we could do it? Yeah. I mean, you know, some of my, I mean, my, my, my oldest home was like 1952, mm -hmm. but still even then, and I did a handful of, of projects in that home. It was my primary at the time, but mm -hmm. you know, nothing was standard. I mean, you go and replace like your, your entry door and it's like, they just made up a size. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, nothing, everything I touched just turned to crap because <laughs> it was not like, you couldn't just go to Lowe's or Home Depot and, uh, you know, buy replacement parts. You had to engineer stuff every single Well, see, thing. we could because the house is wood and we were redoing a lot of the siding anyways. So you can rough in doors and windows. Like we had to do that in a couple of places. Like in the kitchen, we resized a window to move the plumbing of the sink. But that even the moving this even the moving the sink was easy because the plumbing was just under the house because there's a crawl space. And we had to move a vent of the AC to do that. Also, like no big deal. It took like five minutes. So and then we used the hole from the AC vent to run the plumbing up through the floor where the sink was. So there were some things about it being like this old wood frame house that really helped us out, especially because we were redoing siding and painting at the same time anyways. Sure. Um, so that was July to December. Okay. 
So that leads us up to, again, the, the beginning of uh, moving into the beginning of 2022. That's 2021. Well, 2021. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a year back. We're still in the, in the first year of COVID. Got it. Yeah. This is the, uh, this is where we became the nutcases we are today because we, we, la- we like, we're in a hurry at that point to launch the Airbnbs because in, in Florida, you know, we had talked to another vacation rental host and she told us like January to May, that's kind of when you're going to, you're going to make most of your money for the year. So we were like, we got to go. So we got one ready and listed it. And then a week later, got the other cottage ready and listed it and then listed the camper. And they all booked like right away. We were, we, we had made the decision to be cheaper than the other freestanding units, you know, to book, but also to get really good reviews and things like that. And we knew we were going to make mistakes. We knew we didn't really know what we were doing, but we felt like we had to launch because we, you know, we were up against that timeline, that deadline. So we spent the first like few months of the year just learning, right? Learning what guests like, what they didn't like. If I hear, if I get the same feedback twice, I change it. Um, You know, some things like that. And we did, we did pretty decently decently then um we did do a cash out refi in january my husband like my idea was we're gonna have like we're gonna have so much equity in this place right mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. i was cool that this low payment and my husband's like we should do a cash out refi we had that same appraiser come yeah out. Say, i'm excited to find out what this appraised for and when i walked up to him i was like he was like oh you guys painted i'm like oh my god don't even say that so I, what i had was a bulleted list of everything that we had done with no prices, I just handed that to him. So we walked around. I said, hey, why did you appraise this as a multifamily? He's like, well, there's more than one meter. I said, let's talk about that. I walked him around the side and I was like, if you look, one meter is for the upstairs of the main house and one meter is for the rest of this. And he was like, oh, so you couldn't really rent one of these out by themselves with their own utilities. And I was like, no, literally can't. And he was like, okay, well, let's, let's, let me look at it again. And we had, remember, one cottage was full of our stuff. And so it looked like storage. And the other one was like mother-in-law suite, right? And so he appraised it as a single family home. And that helped us because the rate went from 365 to 299. So that was huge. So he appraised it for 420. And if you do the math, we were 440 into it. But I still felt like that was pretty good for our first swing at it. And now we're living for free, right? So I felt like like that was pretty good and that was worth it. I've also heard that if you're doing a cash out refi, they go kind of conservative on the numbers. But- I have heard that as well. Um, you know, when you started like learning the, the short-term rental business, right? What did you, um, like for instance, uh, I'm just curious, were you... Were you going through uh, Airbnb and VRBO? Was yes. it okay? Okay. Is yes, there... the two communicate with each other. You can sync the calendars of both of them. It's a little cumbersome because the pricing works a little differently. Like Airbnb takes more from the guests, and VRBO takes more from the hosts, so it makes pricing a little weird. And um, if you change pricing, you got to remember to do both. If you change a picture, you've got to do it in both or, or anything like that. And you also are communicating on both platforms, which is a little bit cumbersome. But yes, we did list on both. And it's still even to this day, probably nine to one, probably like 90% Airbnb to VRBO. We do have a website now. So there's it's kind of a rounding error though, how many we're getting from the website for now. So it's still like it's predominantly Airbnb. Now we have a reservation system and stuff, but at the time- in that, that is there just an API that you can link to both of them, so it automatically exactly okay yes yes exactly. There's the the reservation system we use is amazing, and we started doing that. We we did the cash out refi. We got a lower rate. We had a hundred. Now we had a hundred thousand dollars back. So if you're tracking, the reason I wanted to talk about those first houses is my very first house. Right, I took that equity and I bought that a duplex. But, and I saved for the and I had saved for the second house. I took that money and I ended up having that for the rehab. I had saved a third chunk of money and that's what I bought the house with, right? So I kind of took one of those chunks of money back out, used that to buy a duplex, 
So we bought another duplex in June of 2021. And the interest rate on that is 325. And we were kind of feeling like we should lock in the interest rates. You know, the economy was like heating up again. I don't think we anticipated as much inflation as we are having, but we kind of thought let's lock in some super low rates. And that's why we did the cash out refi and bought this other place. We were going to do another long-term rental. We still were going to be the, we're, we were doing vacation rentals because these cottages are small. There's no washers and dryers in there. And we have a camper. That's why we're doing vacation rentals. Our plan was to still just mostly have long-term rentals, the long-term duplex, which I had bought in 2019 with the equity from my first house. And this other duplex, which was um, a little bit even north of where our bed and breakfast was. It's on the water. I wanted to have some exposure on the water here in Florida. It's a really cool building. Like it's a it's a three it's three thousand square feet total, and it's a duplex on the water. There just aren't a lot of those, and right, I, right. I just found that intriguing. And we thought, okay, maybe we'll get a boat and we'll keep it there. We'll get, get a new dock and and keep it there because it's not very far from the bed and breakfast, and we'll get some long term tenants on both sides, and we'll have this really great loan and whatever. And then we started thinking. My husband especially is like, but what if we Airbnb it? Then we could stay there sometimes. He's like, and then and then he said the words I never thought. He's like, and we could rent our house out. I'm like, the house oh. we just the house we just spent tens of thousands of dollars for modeling <laughs> my beautiful kitchen. You want to rent? But his point was, we have lodging zoning in a town where you're not really supposed to have vacation rentals, where there's a ton, they just don't really enforce it. But we're actually legal, and so he's right. like, it's just so valuable, and so we started to get the downstairs of our bed and breakfast rentable and the other house. We have like a bunch of locks everywhere. So half our stuff is there and half our stuff is here. And so that kind of birthed this idea of, okay, we're going to do more of this. We're going to do more of this vacation rental thing. And luckily we can use obviously the same cleaners and things like that. But that's when we decided to get a pricing software, an owner reservation software, and get new locks that set themselves. Um, that were that are communicating directly with the reservation software. So it was really kind of mid 2021, even though we had been doing it for six months and we were super hosts and getting good reviews and things like that. That's where I felt like we really made it a business and not a hobby. If I had to kind of pick a moment, we still had the two, we had three long-term tenants then one on the second half of the, the duplex that's on the water, they have a long lease. And then that duplex that I had bought so we were still, even though we had five listings, five Airbnb slash VRBO listings, right? One of those, we can only rent four at a time because we have to be somewhere, right? And then three long-term ten, three long-term tenants. That's where we were, kind of September 2021 when we started uh, started with the softwares and things like that. Got it. So, so that the the new duplex on on the water. So it was that a conventional loan at three point two five. Yes. So we're talking 30-year long-term fixed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 20% down. So in the, it was 385 It appraised for 395 which was cool. I was like, all right. We put 20000 into it. Like we got appliances, we did floors, and we did another beautiful yard remodel because I think like yards really do stand out. And we got such good feedback on the other one that we, we did that again. So that was basically with the down payment, that was basically the $100,000 that we had gotten on our cash out refi went right into that. I'm just, I'm going over in my head, you know, there's thoughts. Cause now that I'm, I'm, you know, an empty nester, my, my teens are gone. One's in our college in Arkansas. Uh, my son's now 22 on his way out. I was like, you know, maybe I can Airbnb my place, you know? And uh, cause mm-hmm. I am, I'm like, like a mile away from the lake. You know, there's a pretty, pretty decent lake here, but I just don't know. I mean, I was going to ask you, so the thought about, you mentioned you had your stuff locked up. Now you're going to Airbnb like that bottom level of your place. Was that easy for you to do? Emotionally or physically? Emotionally, emotionally, like knowing that your stuff, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, it, it always makes me a little weirded out. It was more the logistics of it that were weird. I mean, it is weird because it's your bed. Like, that's kind of weird. But we had all this antique furniture. So I, I, I had furnished and decorated the place. It's a 1901 place. Like, it's full of antiques and whatever. What's cool about those is they all have key lock holes in them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so my husband became a freaking locksmith. 
And he like drilled holes in our, like we had locksmiths come in and they're like, we can't do it. And so my husband just freaking did it. Like he drilled holes in three of our cabinets and put these locks in, like looks really good. These beautiful cabinets, right? We spent $17,000 on these cabinets. Boom, lock, boom, holes in them. And we had all these keyholes. And so he put, you could just put locks on the back of those keyholes and all these antique furniture. So we actually are, our how, like our main room, we made it so that we could fit all of our clothes in an armoire and a dresser the other half are at the other duplex because there's that's a 1980s home so many closets you wouldn't even believe it 1901 home (laughs) almost no closets we actually had to put some closets in here because there's only one when we moved in so our clothes lock in an armoire and lock in this like um dresser and that leaves them still with like a a little vanity a dresser and the the closet right so when people come and stay here we have in the bathroom, there's a piece of furniture. He put a lock on that. So, you know, all this, all the crap that you have, like um, your traveling stuff or your conditioners, if you shop at Sam's Club like we do, shampoos, conditioners, medicines, whatever, stuff that we didn't need to travel with, all of that can get locked up. So, what about, uh, I, I have this question too. What about um, like your utility room, like where your furnace and water heater and all that stuff? Do you keep people out of there? Do you lock that up? What furnace? Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. No, we don't. Um, we have we one of the things that we did that I didn't mention, we put in a tankless water heater. And okay. so it's in the it's in the laundry room, so it's like up on the wall. So sure. It can't like leak. I guess it could leak, but it probably won't. But no, they have access to that in like the breaker box. We felt like it was really important for people to have access to it. And actually in the other duplex, the one on the water, that would have been the easiest closet to lock. Mm-hmm. But I actually made my husband not lock it because I'm like, if a breaker flips or in the water heater leaks, there. I want them, I want guests to be able to get in there. Sure. No, that makes and sense. And we had like a discussion about that. But but yeah, so we just we just started like throwing locks on things, like left, like just left and right. And then in the other place, there's like a linen closet in the bathroom. So that's locked. And we locked the second bedroom's closet it's actually like a walk-in closet we locked that completely and since it's the second bedroom i'm like whatever they just don't get the closet and i put like a coat rack in front of it where they can hang some clothes and some counters so yeah it's a lot like logistically it was weird and then so then you have to remember where are all these keys you gotta know what the keys are you gotta have them all labeled right so the key thing was a totally separate thing but it really was more the logistics i didn't have any emotions about it because maybe it's because i I hadn't had the place very long and I haven't had, like, we bought almost all new furniture, pretty much all, all new furniture. Like some of the stuff was here. She left most of her furniture here. So we had bought a lot. So I hadn't really gotten attached to anything and anything that I was attached to was locked away. So I haven't had that. I haven't had that problem. We've only had one person rent it since we started doing that. Um, there's some construction across the street, which has made it kind of, you know, we have to be, it's really going to be the right person to be here. And they rented it for 25 days in January 2022, and we went there, and no problems. Like no, nothing happened here. <laughs> That's great. Well, so let, let me ask you this: so, as far as doing the flips, like on your other one as well, right? Doing short term, and you have these reservation systems in place. How how does the flipping of the tenants and getting somebody in there to clean and disinfect and and kind of prepare? What about like? The, the laundry services and that type of stuff. Walk me through a little bit what that looks like. I did let my cleaner, my first cleaner go in the summer. And I asked that woman that the woman that I told you about that had told me kind of when season was and things like that. She was like, well, why don't you use my cleaner? I was like, oh, perfect. And she's great. So she's been cleaning this other, these other Airbnbs for a long time. And she's just really, really good. And it's just part of the deal, right? She's what you didn't ask about too, is like the sewer of the camper. Like, so what they do Um, for these little ones I have in, there's a, like a, like almost a mud room in the main house. And even people that rent the bottom floor of the main house, they know that that's not their private space, that that's where the cleaners go. And that's where all of the linens are. So she just takes the linens with her, but there's always two or three of everything. So she just puts the new stuff on. And then the next time she comes and cleans, she brings brings a set back or whatever. So she does have to do laundry at her house, but it's just it's just factored into what she gets paid for the turnovers. At the other place, there's a washer dryer and she does it there. Or when she turns the bottom floor over here, she d- uses this washer and dryer. 
And when we get more, which we'll talk about later, she's actually going to hire people in the area of our new place and manage them. And those are all going to have washers and dryers in them as well. She has access to our calendar. I had to like pay. I think I pay like $15 a month for her to have access to the calendar or something, but like it's worth it. And I have her set up on email notifications where every time we get a new booking, she gets emailed. Isn't that, isn't that just wonderful? It's great. Automation, man. <laughs> automation it's great. Is no, that's been the most amazing part of this. I have automated the crap out of this stuff. You like, got to build a system. You no, the cleaner's system. automatic. Like the communications are automatic. I was looking through them and I'm like, gosh, I have these new ones that are coming online. I'm going to have to change my communications. I don't have to change a thing. I don't have to change a thing because all of my communications pull from fields within the listing. That's so all I have to do is create the listings. It's kind of crazy. Just brilliant. But I had yeah. help. I had help. Like we did an Airbnb swap with somebody from Wisconsin in August of 2021. She came down here for a week, stayed in one of the cottages in the in the camper her family did. And then in September, we went up and stayed in one of her places in Wisconsin. And she she like was so helpful with setting up like my business licenses, my tax IDs, helping me set up the softwares and things like that. So she was just so helpful. I could not, I couldn't have done it without her. That's really cool. <laughs> what's what's the reservation platform? What platform do you use? What's it called? It's called Owner Res. We use Owner Res and then we integrated Price Labs into it. So we have dynamic pricing, kind of like a hotel would. They know what your amenities are what the vacancy is, what the demand is, things like that. So we integrated that. And then the other software we have is called Remote Lock, and it communicates with our Schlage encode locks. So a half an hour before people get here, if they've submitted their security deposit and if they've signed the renter's agreement, it changes the lock to a a code and sends them the code. And then it shuts the lock, like they can't get back in a half an hour after checkout. So we have, those are kind of the three things. And that's, that's, that made everything so much easier. That made it so originally I was spending like 30, 15 to 30 minutes a day on this. Mm -hmm. It's like not anymore. It's like only to answer specific questions. And even the questions are getting little or little, because if I get the same question two or three times, I add something in my communications to them. And we've also implemented QR codes too. Like a couple of our places have Nest thermostats. They all have Roku's. There's a QR code next to them now that they scan if they have a question and they go through. It takes them to a help video. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's that's cut down on a ton of communication too. Totally. So if we look at timeline, so this brings us up to when in in 2021. This is September 2021. We launched the software. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If we, if we back up a little bit in 2021 also in, so we closed on this new, the new duplex, the waterfront one that we've been talking about in June, in May, <laughs> in May, we, we were kind of looking for a project. Like we knew we had just done the, we had just did this really what was a pretty big home run with this 1901 home. And we, we took it and we, we took something that was a little bit you know, dilapidated and made it just beautiful and brought life back to it. And so we knew the new duplex didn't need much. Like I said, floors, appliances, yard. We knew we closed on that in June. It wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be like the before and afters that we loved. You know, we weren't bringing a place back to life. And we also just frankly had alerts still set up on Zillow right along the coast because we had wanted some, wanted some exposure on the water. So in May, my husband found this really adorable, adorable property. It was a really old church and a really old schoolhouse. I was like, oh my God, this is like an Airbnb dream. But I knew, like I said, we had we had the $100,000 from the cash out refi, but we, were, we knew where that was going. And so we knew we weren't going to have any money. So I asked my mom and dad if they would do a deal because my mom is all in. She loves decorating. She loves helping with stuff. She loves finding the deals. She wouldn't like the other end of it dealing with the, the the guests or tenants or whatever. But she loves like she loves finding stuff and setting up these Airbnbs. And so and she loved helping with the reno and, and picking out finishes and stuff like that. So we were like, hey, will you come? And we were kind of surprised when my dad came too, because I guess he had seen what we we did at the bed and breakfast. And he doesn't love real estate. My mom loves real estate. She had two houses before she was 24 or like when she was 24, she bought a rental. And she told me this last weekend. My dad's parents, who had a few rentals, threw her a little party with a cake when she bought a rental house. <laughs> but I was like, so why didn't you buy another one? She's like, 
I was with your dad and your dad wouldn't buy anymore. I was like, geez. Because so my mom likes real estate. My dad really doesn't. They had that one rental that she bought when she was 24 until last year and they sold it to my brother. So, so she was living vicariously in the real estate world through us. And so I was kind of surprised my dad agreed to go. But so we went, so we set that up. After we'd already set up that showing, this like six unit apartment building came on the market on the same street. And so we just reached out to the realtor who I think had both listings. And we were like, hey, do you mind just while we're seeing that one, can you show us the other one? He's like, yeah, no problem. And so my grandma and my uncle live in that county where this church and school is. So they come too. So it's like a big family party. And he's a hand, my uncle's a handyman. He's also 70. So he's not going to, from the bottom to top, redo a place, right? So we're walking this property. And my dad, like, he was really, he's like, so what would you do here? Kind of weird to be having this kind of conversation with my dad. But so we looked at the church and we thought we could probably save the church. We could probably, because like the roof was leaking, it needed a new kitchen. But I thought, because there had been a kitchen in there, right? It, it was originally a church, but somebody was trying to make it a house. And I thought we could fit, we could save that. Then we got into the school house and I thought, oh no, I, this is over the top right? For what they're asking, I was like, there's no way we could put the amount of money into this that it needs to get any return on it whatsoever. And as much as I like liked bringing it back to life, I felt like we were going to get all of our money back. That's why we didn't buy the first place we looked at, right? The one my husband wanted, because I didn't think we'd get all the money back in, in, the, in the value. And so we're like, okay, well, that's too bad. So then we like walk down the street to the six unit building just because we were already there. And it was beautiful. Uh, it was owned by a contractor and he had fully gutted and remodeled it in 2013. And this was 2021. So eight years. So, you know, the kitchens are beautiful, floors, roof, everything, just beautiful. It needed like, needed pressure washed and, you know, the units needed painted or whatever. So it like needed almost, the yard's terrible. I'm all into yards now. The yard was terrible. And so my dad was like, this is nice. Like his eyes lit up. Like I've never like, he's like, this is nice. I was like, this is so weird. What is with my dad? So we went to lunch and we were talking and my dad's like, so what are you thinking about like the church? And I was like, dad, I just, we can't do it. The numbers, they just won't work. And he was like, well, what do you think about that apartment building? And I was like, I mean, I would need, I mean, I was like, we're not going to have any cash. Like you'd have to come up with all of the cash. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, well, I think I can do that. I was like, huh. what? I was like, what? Was something so this is totally <laughs> out of character for your dad totally 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 completely yeah but you know he saw i think he saw what we did here and he thought you know these people are kind of good at this maybe they know what they're doing these people <laughs> my daughter and her, my son-in-law but <laughs> and we asked you know hey is this guy willing to sell or finance and they said yeah so we were running the numbers and they were they almost d- didn't seem real so it was as short-term rentals and this is hard, but they were, were sick. It was six long-term tenants. And so you, you know, you're dealing with the fact that these people can't stay here if you right. want to make the money that you want to make. Cause they were all renting between like seven and 900 a unit. They should have gone on air DNA or on the price labs dashboards or just from running numbers. We thought each unit would, could make between 25 and 40,000 gross and the building would still everything could still float the building could still float itself as the long-term rentals because we figured there's there's no not a lot of long-term rentals on the island you know rentometer had nothing for me i was like we'll probably raise rents a little bit and that would give us enough to pay the mortgage but also you know cover any expenses and, and capital expenditures and also the building frankly didn't need much so and also there were these empty lots like two addresses down there were two empty lots that he was willing to sell with it. And I was like, okay, that could be extra parking, right? People so he boats was like, and boat so pack, package deal, huh? Yeah. But the lots weren't listed and the lots were selling for like about like $55,000 by themselves, but there were two. So we were willing to offer like $60,000 each for those. And then the apartment building was listed at 585 and we were like, dude, we're not even going to screw around with you. Like, we'll do it. Like we'll do 585 on it. But we do need you to sell our finance. And so he agreed on seller financing at 5% with the 10-year balloon. 
I was going to say, so what did that structure look like? 10-year balloon? 10-year balloon. He was cool with 20-year or 25-year amortization. That's what we agreed with. And and that meant that my dad had to front – I say my dad, my mom and my dad, but my mom's been a stay-at-home mom, so he made most of that money. And so I say my dad a lot. And it was kind of up to him. He would have to go with like two hundred fifty dollars to $300,000, right, to put 30% down. And then also we were thinking flip all of the units, right, from short, from long-term to short-term and do the yard. So we made this deal and I, I like couldn't believe I'm like, oh my God, are we like going to do a deal with my parents? Like my, my dad too? It's interesting. Yeah. I was just, so what does what like, what's your gut kind of feel? I mean, do you think you could have a business relationship with your parents like that? I definitely can with my mom. My mom, she just likes real estate. So I think it would be a lot easier. My dad, we, yeah, I mean, he's kind of, we're very similar and he's always talked to me about business and money. He's really the reason I know anything about it. For example, as a child, I've known what he makes. I've known what they have. I've known what they're worth. I know why they make financial decisions that they do. My brother, two years younger than me, probably doesn't know, right? Like he just, he just wasn't interested and I was interested. So I'd always ask these questions. So I think we could have a business relationship together in general. The tricky part is he doesn't understand real estate like I do, like at all. Um, and he doesn't, he just, he just doesn't think it's interesting. He doesn't like it. He's always said, I don't want, I don't want to have another job. And I was like, I don't want to have my current job. <laughs> like, that's my point, right? So we've always kind of had, had that disagreement, not always five years, whatever, since I've been serious about this, but. So I was like, okay, that sounds good. Happy you guys are willing to do that. But what's the deal structure? And he was like, I'm going, he's like, I'm going to think about it. You know, like, let me just, let me think about it. So we had a three week inspection period because one week we were going to be on vacation with them, with my parents. And we did the inspection and then we went on vacation. And I'm like, okay, definitely we're on vacation. Like we're in the Florida Keys. He's in a good mood. We're going to talk about this. <laughs> well, I like brought it up a couple times. Like, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. And I'm like, and he, meanwhile, was selling stock to get the down payment. So he was serious. He was serious. Yeah. He created the LLC. Yeah. My mom was designing the yard. Remember, she's good at that. And I'm like, guys, love you both. But we haven't really talked about the main thing. How is this structured? If you're going to put $250,000, $300,000 in this, what am I going to owe you? And I knew that it was going to be my systems, processes, softwares, and know-how. That was really driving this thing. I was like, so we figured it would, we figured the building would net, even after paying for like the lot and stuff, about $80,000 a year. And I was like, okay, I'm willing to work, you know, for $40,000, right? I figured it'll be a 50-50 split, but what do I have to give you in the beginning? And I kind of thought it was kind of fair if I did nothing and just made them $40,000 a year. <laughs> but, you know, I was willing to do something. But so the last day of the inspection period, I like, I call my mom. Or my dad, I don't remember. I called the house. They have a house phone. And my mom answered, I'm like, mom, I need to know. She's like, okay, we'll call you back. And then they the, the offer they made, I thought was fair had it been a long-term rental situation. Uh, interesting. Okay. I didn't think it worked for a short-term rental because it's, it's just more work. So my, and my husband and I, we kind of felt like, okay, if we had the money, would we do this deal? We were like, yes. We were like, if they didn't have us, would they do this deal? The answer was definitely no. They wouldn't have done it without us. So I felt like that made what we brought to the table in some ways more valuable than the cash. So in their mind, was it a 50-50 deal basically in um, in cash flow? Like were they going to get half of all of the rental and, and that type of thing? Yeah. My dad wanted to do 50-50 ownership, 50-50 cash flow. Got it. But we had to come up with 40% of the money. Yep. So okay. he was going to come up with, say, say it was like 300. We needed to over a couple of years. We didn't really flesh this out. He was going to be 180. They were going to be 180 in and we were going to be 120 in after a couple of years. So what we were talking about was a difference of $60,000 in time, $60,000 in time. And I just, I just, I turned to my husband. I said, our know-how is worth more than that. You know, that's, that's really what I thought. And so when my mom said that to me, I said, mom, I, we're not really close to what I was thinking. Cause I was thinking like 25%, right? Maybe I put 25% in and that's kind of like, they're kind of gifting me 25% equity, right? And doing this very generous couple year, zero interest loan while I pay them back. 
but I didn't give him, I never gave my mom that number. I never did. She said, well, think about it. And then, you know, I, I talked to my dad like an hour or two later and he was like, you know, I just don't think it'll work. And I was like, I think you're right. I think it's, I think this probably won't work. Was it, was it awkward afterwards or was it, was this just purely business and there was nothing personal here? You know, it didn't get awkward until, until we went under contract on it six months later. But at the time we thought nobody was buying it. We didn't know that we were still going to buy the building just six or eight months later. (laughs) Right. So now we own that building. Hey, everyone. Since this interview was getting pretty long, I decided to cut it off. Hopefully you're enjoying it and move right over to part two if you want to hear the rest of the story. Thank you so much.